Let me ask you this morning, are you, are you fearful of the future? Do you ever get worried about whether or not you have enough to retire? You students asking that yet? <laughs> Do you as parents ever think, man, am I, am I ever going to have enough to get my kids through college? Do you get anxious about that? I do. I do. Let me ask you this. What, what happens when, when fear, anxiety, worry, or depression, what, what happens when it comes knocking at the door? And what do we what do? We do? What are we to do? <laughs> the United States is now the most anxious nation in the world. We spend at least, this number is probably higher today, $2.1 billion on anti Anxiety medicines. It's a big business. I remember back in 2007, I was leaving this property. I was heading home. At that time, we lived um, around the border of Louisville Flower Mound. And um, at that time, we had two children. And I was leaving church on a Wednesday night. <clears throat> and I started down King Arthur to go through Castle Hills. And all of a sudden, my whole body just started to fade in the sense of uh, just getting weak and felt like I was going to pass out. And I started looking in the rearview mirror at my two kids back there, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to make it home. And something in me said, turn around and go, go back to the church. And I just was feeling miserable, horrible. And I remember coming back to the church. I called uh, at that time Travis Young and um, Isabel, and I said, hey, can you guys meet me at the church? I'm not, I'm not feeling well. And got back to the church, and I said, hey, guys, I... I I feel like I need to go to the ER, and uh, felt like my heart was about to come out of my chest, and um, so one of them took, uh, I believe, Isabel, you took my kids home that night, right? I guess I didn't trust Travis with them, but, uh, <laughs> but, but I got to the hospital pretty quick, so that's why I was a little confused, because you drive fast, and so, or at least with me, not with Marla, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, just kidding, um, but I remember that happening, and, and my kids getting home, and me getting to the ER, and I remember getting to the ER, and, and they're like, okay, your blood pressure is 195 over 110, and I'm like, oh, okay, I, I never really ever had blood pressure issues before, and I remember spending a couple nights uh, in the hospital, and, and going through all that, and it began a season of just a battle, and we were going through a lot during that time. I just got back from Africa. Right before I went to Africa, my wife had a, a stroke-like uh, experience uh, while she was pregnant with our third child, Pierce, and um, she battled with uh, those through her, her pregnancy uh, multiple times. Um, my father-in-law was in the hospital and uh, would eventually pass away from what he was in the hospital with, and um, there were just a lot of things going on, but I, I felt I was doing pretty good. But obviously, subconsciously, I, I, I wasn't really dealing with everything and was very stressed out and worried and anxious. And um, remembered uh, just the process beginning of going to my doctor and saying, hey, listen, they just gave me a bunch of meds for blood pressure and anxiety. What are we going to do? And he's like, well, let's, 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 let's work through this. And I remember going through that, and, and, and man, there were times, and we went through the Christmas season that year of 2007, I remember playing cards, and um, I got so stressed out and, and anxious 
at cards. I remember my wife looking at me, grabbing my hand and saying, are you okay? And what's weird about it is I was doing pretty good at the cards. Um, but I wasn't okay. I mean, I felt like I was going to come out of my body. I, I, I was freaking out inside. And I remember her looking at me and saying, like, hey, hold on. Just, just, just hang in there. Because she knew what I was thinking. She knew he, he wants to take a pill. Because he knows that's going to make him feel better for a little bit. That's kind of where I was for at least three to six months. And I battled through that because I really felt like that's, I just needed something to help. I wouldn't sleep much. I'd wake up sometimes at night at 3 a.m. Uh, I remember preparing sermons at 3 in the morning because I couldn't go back to sleep. I was just constantly going. I felt like my heart was going to come out of my chest at times. Um, I felt like I was out of breath. In fact, you think of the word anxious, beginning of that word angst. And when you're angst, when your soul's angst, you feel that feeling of though you're out of breath. And that's what anxiety does to you. Um, and that's what I was experiencing. I remember my doctor and I, he was great. Um, and he was honest with me at times. I'll never forget, I was a, at a, a hair salon with my kids. Not really a salon, I guess a kid joint. Where they get their hair cut. And I was sitting there. And my, my kids are good about getting their hair cut and everything. So it wasn't a stressful time. But I remember just feeling like I was going to explode inside. And I remember stepping outside and picking up the phone and calling the doctor and saying, hey, I'm out of medicine. Can you help me today? And he said, hey, do you realize it's a Saturday? (laughs) I said, oh, yeah. And he said, hey, Jerry, he said this to me. He said, hey, are are you turning to a junkie? (laughs) I said, excuse me? (laughs) I went back and was mad, told my wife that. Um, my doctor and I had and still have a pretty good relationship. And I remember going back in that next week. He said, hey, come in and see me. Let's uh, talk about your meds and stuff. And um, it was tough. It was tough. And we, I battled through that for about four or five years. And different side effects, twitching, different things. And, man, just it was tough. I remember one time sitting down on the couch and we had a great day and the kids went to bed early. My wife and I got to sit down and actually watch something together on a school night. And we were like, oh, this is so cool. And, and I remember sitting down like 10 minutes into uh, what we were watching, my whole body just starts shaking. And I'm like, what's happening? And I'm feeling it inside. Everything is just coming up to my head. I'm getting cold. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm not even thinking about anything. And this show is not stressing me out. <laughs> Before you know it, at the end of the night, I'm, I'm in the ER. And I'm like, man, Lord, what in the world? Um, it was a tough ride. But what's so cool is with, at that time, my, my doctor's help, eventually able to, to cut all those meds up and start breaking them down. And eventually today, I only take one blood pressure pill, and I'm thankful for that. But one of the things the Lord taught me through those seasons is trusting him, trusting him. Um, I don't believe that meds are always the answer. I don't. I believe sometimes we go to them too quick. I battled that. I struggled that. I'm not the addictive type, and so I really struggled with that. It was a hard season. It was a hard road. But the Lord taught me some things through that season, 
about worry, about anxiety, about stress and how to deal with it, even when you think you're dealing with it good and right. Sometimes life can get to that point where it's, it's tough. It's too much at times. It's overwhelming. And so what do we do? Well, today, here's what I want to do real simply, real quick, is I want to tell you how a teenage girl who knew God dealt with it. Now, this isn't a new story to you. In fact, you are thinking this morning, well, this is kind of odd. We just read something from Christmas this morning. (laughs) Well, here's what I'm going to do. I want to take this story out of the hype and the festivities of Christmas and help you see the real raw side of this because I think there is one. I think there is one. And, oh, by the way, many scholars believe Christmas happened around spring. So probably when we're celebrating Easter is probably when we should be celebrating Christmas. Wouldn't that be fun? All right? Um, But today I want us to learn from this teenage girl and just kind of give you the episode. So what's the story, right? So Gabriel comes. Gabriel's busy now, right? He was off for 500 years. Now he's really ramping up. And so he comes to Mary, and he meets with her and says, Oh, listen, teenage girl who's probably 13, 14, 15. Um, I know you're in middle school, but guess what? Um, You're going to have a child, and he is going to be the son of God. And to his rule and his reign, there will be no end. Hello? (laughs) Wow. What are all my middle school friends going to (laughs) think when I tell them I'm pregnant, and oh, by the way, I'm pregnant with God? (laughs) That's pretty cool. (laughs) What are my parents going to say? And what's interesting, when we look at the story, we don't really see them. We don't know the involvement, right? We don't know it. Um, We can only guess, but we don't know where they are in this. Um, Oh, what about Joseph? (laughs) Because I'm engaged to be married to him, and that's a pretty big deal, especially back then. That first year or so of engagement was part of the marriage pact. And so... How's he going to handle this? I mean, there's got to be a lot of things going through her head. Now, she is completely submissive to God's will, and we see that. But after the angel meets with her, she goes 100 miles away, and she meets with Elizabeth. And she shares with Elizabeth, who was once barren, but now has a child as well. And God did the impossible in her, and now God's done the impossible in Mary. And Elizabeth meets her there. And the Holy Spirit gives Elizabeth this great insight, this great understanding to what God is doing. So much to say, she says, how amazing it is that my Lord, you are bearing. Amazing. But within all of that, you have no doubt a girl that I'm sure has some fears. I'm sure she may be a little stressed. She is probably anxious and worry when she thinks about the days ahead. What's going to happen? And so this morning, I I want us to see how she responds. Because when we are fearful, we worry, and we're anxious. It can affect us us physically. We know that. I've shared how I have experienced that. It can cause brokenness in life. Fear causes us either to fight or to flight. Anxiety causes us to lead to gloom and to doom. Fear causes us to see the future without God's involvement. And worry of our future robs us of enjoying the present, what God wants for us. So fear and anxiety, they're real emotions. 
But what do we do when they come? And so I want us to see three things this morning. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 46 through 49. And look what happens here. First thing Mary does, she gets this news. She goes to Elizabeth, and then what does she do? She sings. (laughs) She sings. And so the first thing she does is she looks up. Because what does worry do? Worry looks out. Worry looks out, but she looks up. And this is how she begins her song. She says, my soul exalts the Lord. She says, my soul magnifies, my soul glorifies, my soul rejoices in the Lord. She's saying here that I rejoice in the truth that my God is Lord over all. What does she do here? She rejoices in the sovereignty of God. Sovereignty is a term to describe God's perfect control and management over the universe. He preserves, he governs every element. He's continually involved with all created things, directing them to act in a way that fulfills his divine purpose. That's what sovereignty is. And so when we come up against stresses and the reality of anxiety and worry, what happens a lot of times is we feel like we don't have that perceived control anymore. Anyone ever like that? You feel like, okay, okay, what I felt like I had control over before, I don't have anymore. Or we, maybe on the other end, where stress comes and we become even more control freaks, right? Trying to control the situation. But what I love about Mary here is, is she relinquishes all control and falls under submissively the sovereignty of God. So Mary stabilized her soul with the sovereignty of God, believing that he reigns supreme over everything. He's the sovereign one. The apostle Paul gave the same prescription for worry and for anxiety. Remember in Philippians 4, chapter 4, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. Sometimes, all right? No, rejoice in the Lord when? Always rejoice again. I say. Paul said, be anxious for nothing, in verse 6 and 7. But in everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts in Christ Jesus. And so are you rejoicing in God as Lord of your life? Sometimes we've got to remind ourselves that God is reigning, that he is in control. And even of this circumstance that seems too much. But let me ask you this. What if the worry is too much? What if it's too overwhelming? I want to encourage you with this. And I don't want to be cute with this. I don't want to be so simple with this that you think, okay, because there are times where we just feel like, man, it's just too overwhelming. I want to say this. I think we're to worship our way into worship. Does that make sense? Here's what I mean. What about those days when you don't feel like singing? What should you do? Sing. I've had those days when I'm coming home from here where it's just been, whether it's just a lot of work or just been a day where, you know, meeting after meeting or whatever and over the years. And, and there are days where, you know, I'll have, I know this is weird, I have KRLD on and listen to that, and, you know, and I'm, I'm big on the eights, the traffic and the weather. I don't know what, what's so, you know, appealing about that, but there's something, I guess it makes me feel grown up, but, um, or boring, one of the two. <laughs> 
But, but there's those days where it's like the Lord will say, hey, I want you to sing. I want you to sing as you go home. So we have to worship our way into worship. There's probably Sunday mornings we come in here and we don't feel like singing. <laughs> we don't feel like singing. We worship our way into worship because we realize God is sovereign. And so what are you stressed about? <laughs> have you worshiped about it? Have you? And so Mary continues, and here's what she says. She says, my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. And so here she says, hey, God's my Savior. We know that God gives us salvation. We believe in Jesus Christ by grace alone, through faith alone, we are saved. But I think she also means this, that God saves me even from the day-to-day stuff. He is saving me from bad choices, from bad decisions. So when worry, anxiety comes, we can be prone to that. But he saves me. He's my rescuer, even through the day-to-day. And so when worry comes, worship, rejoice in God, our Savior. And then 48 through 49, she says, For he has regard for the humble state of his bondslave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. What I love about this is Mary regarded herself as a servant of God. And she knew that God loved her as though she was the only one. Did you know this this morning, that God loves you as though you're the only one? That's what this idea is. He has regard for me. That's what he feels about you. Sometimes we don't let ourselves believe that. I want you to believe it. He, He is head over heels for you. She believes that. And so she believes that God knows every detail. Every circumstance, everything I'm going through, he knows it very well. What I love about this is, this is beautiful. I mean, she, she knows, she understands, okay, bearing the Messiah, but there's other things that, that are stressful in this situation that there has to be. But she sees the blessing. She sees the hand of God. So let me ask you this. In the circumstances that come that don't always make sense and that carry with it stress and anxiety, do you see the blessing? And I know it's tough. I know if it's unemployment, if it's miscarriage, if it's cancer, if it's the loss of the loved one, it's hard to see. God, what are you doing? Where's your hand? What's your blessing? in this, because it doesn't feel like one. She says here, the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. You see, she believes that God is mighty, that God is going to carry her through, that he is all-powerful, and he will and has done great things. So I might be in a tough spot, but I've got to trust in his mighty hand, and he is holy, unlike any other. She believes that. Look what she says next. Actually, before we get to this next point, I want to move fast on that, but I want to share some with you. Isaiah 41.10 will be up on the screen. This past week, I was um, charged with doing the, the um, funeral for my stepsister's mom. And she passed away right before Christmas. We had her service here Friday. And I talked to my stepsister, 
um, just about those, those, it was about a year and a half that her mom battled brain cancer. And she said, Jerry, it was, it was one of the toughest times of our life, but at the same time, it was so neat to see my mom's faith. And she said, I love just watching her sometimes, even though she was struggling and in pain and hurting, I loved some of the things she would do. And one of the things she would do is, is at night, she could hear her mom yelling out scripture. And this was one of them. Isaiah 41.10 says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. Look up. I will strengthen you, and surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous hand. God has given us his word to encourage us, to instruct us, to look up, to see that he is sovereign and that he is there for us through those tough spots. Worship also does this, and I want to look at this last part rather quickly, but look what worship says here. Worship looks back. You see, I can move forward based on what God has done before. Look what it says in verse 50. His mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. So what is Mary saying here? He is faithful to show mercy. From one generation to the next, he has and he will continue to, and especially through her son, he will. So Mary rejoices in the compassion of God. Too often what we do is we let fear draw near and near and near and near. But God wants us to do this. God says in his word, James 4 eight, he says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. You see, God wants us to draw near to him because he is loving, he is compassionate. And as we draw near to him, guess what happens? The fear moves away. Isn't that what 1 John 4.18 says happens? Perfect love does what? Casts out fear. So let God take your burden in those times that are tough. Let him draw near. Remember his mercy. And then look at 51 through 53. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. Mary declares, God has done mighty things. As she looks back and thinks about the history of Israel, she remembers God's power reversing certain social conditions that he had favor on Israel, reversing their political and their social situation. Often we can worry about things to death, can't we? Think about this. This is a real worry, all right? I've got four kids, and it's funny how the first one always starts stuff, right? And here's what I mean. Like, he, because he goes through things first, right? And so, like, the whole idea of braces starts coming up. So it's a first, okay? And so what happens is that trickles down to a 13-year-old girl who wants to have the braces conversation. And so I, what I start doing is when those conversations come, I go to the dentist because <laughs> I want to hear what the dentist has to say and kind of nudge them and say, they don't really need them, right? Just cosmetic. <laughs> you guys heard that? Maybe not? Okay. And so... But that conversation comes up. So I'm sitting here thinking, and now I don't, I don't do this, but I know some people do, all right? Is they start thinking, wow, braces. 
that, that's going to be a lot of money. I, I don't know if I can do that. And we start thinking, but if I can't do that, what about a career? Are they going to be able to get a job if their teeth are crooked? What about a spouse? Are they going to be able to get a spouse? So what happens is you start thinking, are they going to be able to eat? Are they get, not necessarily because of their teeth, but they're not going to have a job, remember? And they're going to be homeless? And not only that, they're not going to get married. And I want grandkids. So you start, you know, so here's what we do. We will, we'll do that. We're here. We go here in like 30 seconds. That's a silly one, maybe, all right? But, but we do that. We worry things to death. And what happens a lot of things is none of those things we really worry about and we start playing out ever really happen the way we worry about them, right? And chances are they, they usually don't. So worry robs us of being able to invest in others, to enjoy the present. It causes us often to get stuck, to be paralyzed by worry and fear. See, God wants us to live unstuck. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat, what you will drink, nor your body as to what you will put on. Remember, he took care of the birds and the flowers of the field. And so he says, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will care for itself. Mary, I think, has a lot to worry about. I think she does. I think that's the reality of it. A lot of opportunities for anxiety and stress. But she sings about the goodness of God as she reflects on what God has done before. Think about what God has done before for you and how he's been faithful for you. And let that be a practice as, as you go through times that are tough to remember how God has been faithful. And so look back. Lastly, worship looks ahead. Worship looks ahead. It looks up, it looks back, it looks ahead. Verse 54 through 55. He had given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. Mary recalls God's mercy to Israel and his mercy even toward her in this moment. And he says that God is my help. I want you to hear that again. God is my help. And guess what? He wants to help you. Too often in worry and anxiety, we turn to other things. To numb it. Sometimes it, it can be medicine. I know sometimes medicine is needed, but sometimes maybe we turn it to it too quick. Um, alcohol. Drugs. Pornography. There's many things that people turn to. Even today, we escape through technology. We go maybe online or straight to our phone when things get tense and we escape. We also isolate ourselves. See, God doesn't want us to isolate ourselves. He wants us instead to find solitude with him, to find him as our help in those times. And not only that, he wants us not to be isolated, but to be in community. And see, that's what the church is. The church is a community of help. And that's what God's created it to be. And so God had consistently been faithful to his promises, as Mary remembers this. And so God's past faithfulness gives her hope for the future, that he will be my help. Now, we don't worship God to get the future we want. We can make requests. We can ask we cannot manipulate him, though. 
His will be done. So here's what it is. Fear looks to the future, not seeing God in it. But here's what faith does. Faith looks with seeing God in the future. And so that's what Mary does here. She looks up, she looks back, remembering the faithfulness of God, and it causes her to look forward to the future, knowing that, hey, God has helped me before. He will continue to be my help. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In closing, I want you to think about this. Here's this teenage girl. And before the angel comes, I don't know what she's thinking about the future. I know she's excited. She's engaged to be married. And all the excitement that brings. But then all of a sudden, her world changes there on that day. And no doubt, fear, stress, anxiety, worry, it was knocking at the door. But she stopped. She took a deep breath. And she was still. And she remembered who God is. That he is sovereign. That he is in control. What happens sometimes, if if we're all honest, is we try to be responsible for things we aren't needing to be responsible for. Mary is responsible for what God has here in the womb. They care for her son. She's not responsible in that moment for what Joseph is going to (laughs) do. But don't we do that sometimes? We start worrying, what are they going to do? What are they, you know? And we make that our worry, our point of worry. We're not called to do that. (laughs) See, Joseph is going to do what he's going to do. And obviously we see what he does. But then also God has things he's responsible for. And we've got to remember that. And I think Mary does. And that's why she sings. She worships. And so her worry, or opportunity for worry, turns to this beautiful song. And I think a beautiful example for us to realize when worry is tempted to come and take over and to camp out, sing. And remember who God is. He's sovereign. He's our savior. He is compassionate. He is our help. He has been and he will be. Let me pray for us.